Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cardboard Herald, my chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators. And this time, bringing in a creative gamer all the way from Finland, we have Tuomas Mansika, and you are here to bring us a game all about the Kalabala. What's going on, Tuomas? <laughs> it's a good question, good question. Uh, I'm quite, like, Kalabala has been translated to 60 languages, but I can still confidently say that the game itself, uh, the theme hasn't been translated to a game yet. So there might be people who would be interested. Well, what sort of deal is this Kalevala? Something Nordic mythology that isn't Vikings. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I know about the Kalevala because I am a Tolkien geek. As anyone who <laughs> has followed this channel for any amount of time knows that I am. And it was a huge inspiration for Tolkien and his love of languages. And Finnish was one of the main languages that inspired him to get into philology. And I know a lot about the Kalevala for the layman. But I gotta imagine that most people who are listening to this in North America or England uh, probably aren't up on their Tolkien studies or their 19th century epic poetry. So for the audience here, can you just kind of give the, the nutshell overview of what is the Kalevala? Yes. So we have, like, on the 19th century, uh, on the era where uh, a lot of nationalism in the romantic sense was raging on. So our share of it was uh, this poet and also a doctor called Elias Lernroot. So uh, aside from his medical studies, he had a, had a wonderful idea to why not try to uh, get a grasp of what's the folklore in the air, like uh, setting of Finland, which is in the eastern side, where he was thinking that it was mainly has it has been staying on as it has been for many many hundreds of years. So he ventured there a couple of trips and sort of oral, oral footage he got and recorded it into poetry, into runes. And uh, obviously he used a lot of uh, creative uh, input of his own to make it a cohesive story. Though if you read Kalevala from front to back, you will find out that it's skipping like uh, maybe at some point it's talking about this character uh, Kullervo, but then it might return to him later on. So it's not uh, in that sense easy to read. And also the language used is very much uh, like as you would hear it, someone singing it or using like uh, some catch, catchy phrases. So some words are being repeated. So it makes sense in that sense that uh, uh, there was like uh, some story of a man who sang to him like two hours in, in like nonstop. So for people who are familiar with some of the, the traditional epics, uh, you have things like uh, Wagner's Ring Saga, and then you also have, you know, the Lord of the Rings. Uh, but I think of the Kalevala as more akin to maybe Sir Thomas Mallory's, the, the, the King Arthur stories, the Knights of the Round mm. Table, collections of fables from a culture that ended up getting refined by one person that maybe coming from different eras, but then kind of made into one sort of cohesive thing. Now, for those of us who aren't in Finland or raised in Finland or Finnish at all, 
how pervasive is the Kalevala in Finnish culture? Is this something that the average kid just growing up in Finland would hear about, possibly may have read some in school, or is this a little bit more obscure? Like, how how ingrained into Finnish culture is the Kalevala? Yes. So uh, in schools, it's very much the thing of at the elementary level that it's been like, uh, okay, something compulsory to study. Um, but then again, it's still very much like teachers and other authors are trying their best uh, to keep the, le- the legacy of Kalevala as our national epic going on, because uh, it's very much a, a book that is sort of like deep rooted in the, into the culture since uh, the tales within Kalevala are tragic and the like the main characters are sort of like demigods instead of like uh, this uh, Greek style of uh, these epic uh, gods who would just be invincible in in a sense. But then then again, there's also the Greek tragedy that there's like they are facing each other constantly and even like within their own side, there's like some uh, problems with sisters, brothers and all these family uh, relations are going on there as well, and sort of like uh, it's very melancholic. Also, the Kalevala, since uh, uh, like the main characters are always trying, trying and striving towards something, but they rarely even succeed. <laughs> In some ways, you know, if you're that that Tolkien geek like me, I think this may be more Silmarillion than it is the Lord of the Rings yeah. itself. It, it's it's these legends that are often tragic and um, about characters maybe working against their destiny ultimately to succumb to it. Uh, often there's objects of power, often there's mysterious forces. It's really fascinating stuff. But we're here to talk about a game about the Kalevala, mm-hmm. which, as you said, not a lot of people have seen, period, but no one, as far as we're aware, has made a modern tabletop game based off of. Why was this the ideal setting for a hidden movement game? Like, what about this story allowed you to bring something interesting or new to this genre of gaming? Like, the most known tale out of Kalevala is revolving around this artifact called Sampo. And uh, that's, in some ways, you could make a comparison to, to the ring as an item in the Lord of the Rings saga. Um, so basically they're all trying to get it. They first forge it, it does a, take a long time, a lot of effort, but then they actually trade it away, the heroes in the story in some sense, though you could argue against that as well. But uh, then they go and try to get it back and they do, but then the trip back home is definitely not safe. And uh, the game takes place there. Um, and it's sort of like, if you think about the Lord of the Rings, there's the ring bearer. So in the game as well, there will be the Sambo bearer, which is like the uh, key, po- key part, key element in the game, at, at least winning the game. So it's like you have leaders in the game, which are the heroes in the saga. Uh, but you have also like these decoy leaders, like some are just trying to distract or otherwise aid the Sambo bearer, like as in the Lord of the Rings. But then you might ask, then why not do, the, do it in the Lord of the Rings setting? Obviously, there's the game Hunt for the Ring as well, Hidden Movement, Lord of the Rings. 
but uh, this was very much also uh, wanting to do a team versus team hidden movement game, which there are not too many. There are some like Sabotage, the most recent one from Team Powers, but uh, this is like, um, as the setting was just already there for the team based as the three heroes of Väinämöinen, Ilmarinen and uh, Lemmikäinen all went to Pohjola. So it's basically you have a group of three heroes and then obviously three rivals as well against them. So it takes for a very well to a game which is for one to six players. Okay, so we have a hidden movement game. There's these beautiful boards. You got these really killer cards in them and these enormous player shields that have the maps and everything. Talk to me about the, the actual production, how this looks on the table and you know what, what are typical game sessions going to be like or, or what's a turn in this game? So the turn is usually quite uh, fast in a sense, because you just, if you are, let's say, six player game, three versus three, you're just controlling one leader. So you basically will do an action uh, with the leader if you want, and you will move with the leader. And that's basically it. There's one asymmetric thing between the two sides, which side you're playing on, but mainly it's just like trying to figure out where is the uh, cool place to move in the map. So that's basically, it has, instead of like small player shields or like usually in the hidden movement, there's a pen and paper solution to keep track of where we are. So in this game, it's trying to do something innovative with the uh, vertical game map instead of horizontal. And uh, that leaves a lot, lot of table space, but also creates this poker-like uh, feeling of, okay, when there's a combat, you can see the eyes of the others in the other side, but nothing else. And then you will play the card and see what happens, did they anticipate right or no. And because it's a vertical game map, you will use magnets instead of like, uh, yeah, regular wooden tokens. It's wooden tokens, but with a magnet at the bottom of it. Let's see how it will be in the real production, but uh, it will use magnets and vertical board at least. And this is such a fascinating aspect to have the magnets, the vertical board. What I'm I'm trying to conceptualize people playing this game. You have your player shield, you have your your map that's on it, and it's magnetic. Mm. Is there any shared player space in between the two player shields that that's like a common area that both players yeah. look at? Good question. Uh, on both sides of the serum or like the wall uh, is uh, like the common areas. Uh, on the other side of that will be the Tuonella cards which stack up like because it's trying to emulate the tired journey of the hero. So it's sort of like reverse deck building in the sense you have to give up your starting resources and they all go to Tuonella, which is the land of dead, the Manala, which is sort of like uh, the, all the inhabitants at Tuonella and the Lord itself are uh, like actually alive instead of like, yeah, there are people you could go and talk to. <laughs> so uh, in the sense, it, it has a game impact that you could try to reclaim those cards. So that and also has impact in the combat. That's one side of the uh, and then the other side, you have the things you can obtain within the game. So obviously, because there's like land routes and there are water routes. So it's very crucial to know if uh, other side takes a boat, you know, they have the capability to uh, travel on 
water areas. So things like that, it's good to be on the common areas so you get to see, oh, something was taken from there and obviously should an be announced in good manners to the other side as well. <laughs> well, this Kickstarter is swiftly approaching as of us recording this. It's going to be launching in April. And how much of the development of this game is already done? Is there any more work to do for the actual design? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is uh, to do, uh, like I'm more doing the rules reference style as of now. So there's work to do be done with the learn to play aspect. Obviously, uh, having gaming rules to do the live playthrough will help, but uh, also to have something written from format within with the game. So learn to play is one aspect uh, and like having illustrative examples of the gameplay and the flow of it to make the first gaming session much more easier. So that's the biggest thing, but also like something fun, fun, extra fun for me to do is the expansion design which will incorporate more of uh, role-playing elements uh, as there will be like a third side of gameplay, which is, will be someone is going to control the Tuonela. So we'll try to, in, a, in that sense, balance it down and do the devil's pacts to the uh, both sides of like trying to do business trades with the other sides. So that's going to be something uh, I'm working on currently besides the regular job. Uh, I have, but luckily it's only four days a week now as a psychologist, so that helps so that it, it isn't at least 40 hours as of now. As of now, as of now, you get a little bit of a break. I mean, you got a Kickstarter coming little, up. You, yeah. you got to have yes. that time to work on it. So <laughs> tell me, is this your first design or or have you had a lot of experience in game design? Yeah, it's uh, the first serious design, which I've been working a few years now. Uh, but the others, uh, I've been like more for the family enjoyment, uh, playing with friends and family. Uh, the main joy of that was the creative experience and sharing it with my little brother. So in that sense, like, let's say the world brothers doing the Pax Pamir, something as, as like, like them, they really seem to enjoy that aspect of brotherly design and I can definitely concur with that. This was uh, something that was keeping both of us minds going and interactions sweet and going, running. Okay, so you've designed games for your brothers to check out before. You're taking inspiration <laughs> from the Whirly Brothers. Are your brothers involved in this project? Yeah, well, uh, the brother I was working before, uh, he was saying, okay, maybe I'm not joining in on this ride. So this was mainly on my own, uh, but he was something I, his uh, opinions are the highest priority for me. Uh, it's like, um, he's very insightful as a play tester as well. And uh, basically he's also the best kind who's very harsh on the feedback. So that's also one aspect I really enjoy. Oh yeah. Grown up little brothers love torturing their older brothers as much yes. as possible because they, they got it so much when they were kids that when you're on that even playing field, it's just like, man, I love you, but I got to rip you to pieces on this thing. <laughs> I know because I'm a little brother. So uh, oh, my yes. big brother, Brian has to, has to take it from me every time we're together. Now, one thing before we get into kind of like the evolution of design is I noticed that this game is Kalevala. I mean, it's not Kalevala. Mm. Like, what what is the the name taking inspiration from? Yeah, uh, in the old Finnish uh, language, uh, you saw a lot of that uh, 
basically the word old is in Finnish vanha, but you could see it written with the W vanha uh, is uh, like also old Finnish. And so Kalevala, you could see uh, when it was first iteration of it, um, 1835, uh, you could see that there was uh, actually with the W there, Kalevala. So I wanted to honor that the old time period because the game itself is also very true to the uh, historical nature of the Kalevala, uh, the historical art is there and uh, it's basically not taking any liberties. I'm following the theme as well as I can. I could listen to you say anything in Finnish all day because it sounds like I'm talking to someone <laughs> in the Lord of the Rings, like you are an elf oh, to me right now. Yeah. I, I'm... I'm sorry. <laughs> you could say like Ina Lindale, and I would be like, "Oh my God, are you from Valinor?" That's, that's actually uh, a comment on that because we have uh, to marketize uh, in in a unique way this game. We have done uh, locally with the zero budget. We have done a short film about the Kalevala, uh, which is why I have the horns on the background. You might not see it, but uh, in any case. Uh, Kalevala there, we are all, all saying in Finnish, uh, there will be English subtitles as well. But if you love the way of old Finnish, how it sounds like, you have the best opportunity to hear it in the short film, which is used for the Kickstarter, definitely. Oh, that is going to be so cool. That is awesome. I mean, speaking of the, the Kickstarter, you know, you were talking about how you're still working a little bit on the game itself. What are some of the unique challenges that you think you're going to face as a, a self-publisher from Finland? I mean, I, I got to imagine there are differences between being a publisher in North America versus being a publisher in England versus being a publisher in Finland. And I know that there are established tabletop game publishers in Finland, but... Yeah, I, I got to imagine there are some unique challenges for you. Yeah, uh, I think the latest one is Sami Lakso, who's doing the uh, like everything on his own, the publishing, the art, the design. For this one, uh, it's uh, uh, like got it on the, at the start of February. No, at the end of January, I got a uh, like a contact to handle uh, the commercial aspects. So he's handling the company side of the things but it's very much still like the self-publishing. So it's a lot of work. And uh, besides that, it's a challenge to start from zero in a sense uh, with uh, is no big names involved. Uh, everyone's first, it's the graphic designer's first game, uh, illustrate the ones who's doing the illustrations first game, the publisher's second game. So it's um, especially in the market to get in a saturated, if you will, it's not easy to pop up. Uh, I mean, you have games like Gloomhaven on that time period. That's <laughs> the launch on 9th of April. So the Gloomhaven is still going on. So uh, many rivals are there, but also in a good sense, I hope that uh, games are being good and supporting other games being played. But it's just a difficult question that you ask. Because, uh, the challenges are so many that it's hard to even think about all, like listing all of them. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, aside from reaching out to the most charming of podcasters and YouTubers, yeah, yeah. what are some Got of the it. action items that you're working on? Like, do you have individual steps that today I need to do this and tomorrow I need to do this and I need to contact this person and I need to contact this person? Do you have a lot of that kind of stuff lined up between now and April 30th? Yeah, yeah, it, it is true. Uh, 
the action list is like, let's say, for example, today is the Kalevala day uh, of Finland, big day in, in this sense for the game, uh, to try to announce it in, a, in a some sort of way, uh, at least here in Finland, uh, because the game is currently being displayed at the Finnish Museum of Games. They had an ex exhibition of the games of Kalevala, which is mostly about role-playing games and digital games, but it also has this tale of Sambo game. That's amazing! That is so it cool! It is, it is. So uh, I'm going there today to uh, demo the game and also as of tomorrow. Uh, so these are like the exhibitions, even though you might think that it's just one Kickstarter backer here and there, but they, they rack up and uh, it's something uh, nice to post to the marketing as well. Uh, it's to, okay, you have places to play test the game and I'm trying to spread it out a bit. Uh, have a, dear friend of mine who's going to Norway to hand the game out there as well. So trying to spread the word is the biggest challenge here. I mean, Kalevala, you can easily see, okay, this might sell well in Finland, but how much of Finnish is it internationally? I don't think so. I've reached to some publishers who are thinking that it will be too much niche for them. But um, in any case, I've had good feedback as well from uh, the various big name publishers I've contacted, uh, so it has helped helped me to focus on the things I need to focus before, to sort of like make the Kickstarter a success. I actually think that culture, Western culture, is primed for this right now. I mean, when you think about the the enormous success of Game of Thrones, of course. Uh, was what brought fantasy really to the mainstream. I mean, before that, you had The Lord of the Rings as motion pictures, and those were huge movies, but I think they w were seen as kind of flukes, whereas Game of Thrones was something that was everywhere. It was pervasive. It wasn't the nerds are seeing this. This is what culture is seeing. And then in its footsteps, you have things like The Witcher, the game and the show, and that has this Eastern European vibe, uh, more abstract of concepts and how magic works and monsters and how society interacts with these different things. And I think that's more than anything what would be a, a familiar touchstone for uh, people who haven't been exposed to the Kalabala and aren't those people who are like going back to different draft versions of the Silmarillion going like, oh, it's so <laughs> interesting how Turin was referred to here, but he's not referred to in this version. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that there's a lot of things in place that would make this really appealing for people. That and the fact that Vikings are the new zombies. They are everywhere. People are tired of Vikings. We want something new. So I, I think this is a really exciting opportunity and i'm i'm rooting for you there are a couple things that i wonder about <laughs> like when this is your first big mm. debut your first design that you're putting out there it's a hidden movement game and hidden movement is already something that is kind of a niche genre and then you also have the the theme which is a kind of niche theme like, what about this game makes it accessible to the, the average board gamer? Or is this going to be the type of game that only real hardcore board gamers are going to be into? This is a favorite topic to speak about. Uh, so the game is like a medium weight. And uh, 
basically the, all of the design choices for the gameplay, at, at least when I was doing the streamlining part of the like uh, developing, not just designing. Uh, there was the moments of trying to put it like you could teach it in five minutes and uh, if you know what you're doing and some aspects can be thought with it while the game is doing going on like the combat you don't need to know about that at the start and at the start even though you have different cards with interesting abilities most of them unique even still you only need to know them in combat so basically you just need to look at the colors of the cards uh, to do various actions within the game because you have to destroy a card to do the do the effect so in some sense it's some sort of like a reverse effect because some gamers might be into it intuitively like seeing or reading out like oh this does, this card does this so i wonder if i can just play it but some newcomers who don't have those preconcepts might be in a better spot in some case because it might take a long time okay i can't play this card as it says only if i win with this card in combat it happens and um yeah just trying to <laughs> think i had other things to say as well well, I mean, that that sounds cool, but one of the things about hidden movement that I've always seen as kind of a, a problem, so to speak, here's my beef with hidden movement, which is a genre that I like, but mm. I always feel like it, it's designed around fixed player counts, right? So, mm. you know, like... I would say Fury of Dracula is a game where you want lots of people at the table because it's a drag to be one person who's controlling all the heroes with different separate hands that this is my hand, I put it down, and then I'm the other hero, I put that down, and then I'm the other hero. Mm -hmm. On yeah. the other hand, take Hunt for the Ring, which we talked about earlier, where it's a game where the, the Nazgul, to me, actually feel like all one set of pieces that that cohesively work together in such a way that I actually feel like it's best when one person is playing all the Nazgul and you only have one hand to operate with but on that hand you have four deliciously evil figures going onto the board and if you play at higher player counts you feel kind of hampered in a way and so a lot of hidden movement games tend to rely on specific player counts to be best and is that a, an issue that you tackled with this game is it a game where i mean you could play at two players but it's best at six because that's the only way that it's really meant to be played or is there some sort of accommodations in order to make it more flexible than that well with the upcoming expansion it will be up to seven players yeah um, that's true so <laughs> So I think yeah, it's it's trying to fix that. Uh, I recognize it as a major problem in the hidden movement games. Uh, myself, uh, I'm a board gamer in this era era where area where people will just uh, might even randomly show up. So it's good that the game is uh, flexible for different player counts, and even if someone needs to leave with, while the game is going on. So there's because it caters to different different player counts. Obviously, caters to different personalities. So. My brother would uh, prefer the agency of the two-player game. This mm -hmm. very intense head-to-head -head experience. But if someone is playing for the first time, it's very nice for them that there's a teammate uh, and and some players. Because in my opinion, the cooperation with while within the team uh, while being against another team while sort of like thinking what you're saying out loud, obviously, uh, is is a sort of like uh, aspect that 
is missing if you do the two-player game. Uh, it's m more methodical in that sense if it's just two players. And uh, also to wrap up to your previous question, it's also that I'm trying to help the first players to have enough luck in the game, but obviously not too much, but sort of like you could easily win if you have your first go at it. It's not like you only win if you have mastered the game uh, by playing it hundreds, hundreds of times, because the market is sort of, sort of so that the first session needs to be successful or at least the second one. Well, I'm going to master it from playing hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of times and make sure that no one beats me, especially my older brother. That's all I know. It's like Good. I will never let my older Good. brother win at Kalevala, the tale of Sampo. Wow. I, I, I want to know the the last thing that I, I want to take us out with, because I know that you have some things to do today. Like you got important, legit, like going to a museum things to do <laughs> today. But yeah. as a gamer, as a person who's grown up playing games, you've spent a lot of time with family playing games, and clearly you've thought a lot about the design community. As a gamer, not the person who made this game, but the person who has to play this game again and again and again, what is the thing that you feel best about? Like that moment where you're like, oh, this is so cool. Like this, if someone else made this game, I would be buying it for this reason alone. There's uh, the sense of your uh, strategy at the start of the game and the fulfillment on that while being flexible during the game. So the balance of strategy and tactics, but just the one detail or specific part that I would point out is that, that there's like these, uh, because Kalevala is very rich in theme and there's many other tales than Sampo. So I wanted to incorporate them by uh, doing a, some sort of like, you could compare this achievement system best video games that you unlock some new things while, the, while you en enter another gaming session. So these other tales of the Sambo or other tales of Kalevala are introduced, like let's say you won with a certain style. So a narrative card, uh, which will be like a thematic card, like War of the Ring style, uh, will be introduced as available card for the game, uh, if only that team won with this, this specific style. So it's sort of like, uh, I haven't seen this in other games. It's, you wouldn't say this legacy in any, any way, but uh, in, in some sense, it's just something distinct that uh, I think uh, many other games could uh, start to utilize as well. It's like a soft legacy. It's a game that yeah. remembers previous yeah. plays. So basically, you can tell your own tale of Kalevala. That's awesome. Well, I can't wait to tell my own tale of the Kalevala when it hits my table. And I am rooting for you in this campaign. Tuomas, thank you for coming onto the Cardboard Herald. This has been so awesome. And I have had such a pleasure speaking with you. If you are watching this on YouTube as it's going up, then that means that it probably launched today. Go check that out. But Tuomas, if people want to find out more other than just checking out the Kickstarter itself, where can people find you? A Tale of Sambo is the keyword. You can utilize that as to find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the places. <laughs> but uh, uh, in any case, uh, hopefully uh, this was the first big international name that I got on board. So very much thank you for UTAC and on 
seeing the like being faithful and seeing the sort of uh, something's going on in this with this game that isn't already there. And so basically to follow up other curious, interesting, fascinating people, then Cardboard Herald should help you as well. The gaming rules will be on the uh, near the launch of Kickstarter, but uh, I hope I can sort of mm, yeah meet, meet other other names as well too so you can find out more about it so I, I think the short film should because we finalized it yesterday evening quite late uh it should be available quite soon it is the Kalevala day so we are uh, planning on something spectacular all right well i can't wait to check it out thank you so much again thomas for coming on to the cardboard herald thank you if you enjoyed this video, we have all kinds of other reviews, interviews, and recommendations via writing, podcasts, and video here on our channel and website CardboardHerald.com. Our content is audience-supported, so if you want to show your support, please visit our Patreon. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the Cardboard Herald.